There are two foundational pillars, faith and love for one another. And God institutes an office of the church to lead in each one. When God calls us to a Christ-like quality, then he often gives us an example of that quality. But now let's turn our thoughts back, keeping in mind what God has told us about himself, about his own heart. He's told us, this is my heart. It's a heart that's burdened for the vulnerable and the disadvantaged among my people above all else. And you are to be like me. And furthermore, when I call you to be like me in whatever way I do that, it's my way to give you examples in how to do just that. So now let's think about that. And let's think about that in the context of the two offices of the church. The Bible tells us there are two offices of the church. There are the office of, first of all, elder, or you could use the word pastor or overseer or bishop, a number of different words. We'll call it elder. There's the office of elder, and there's the office of deacon. God has shown us recently, over the past few weeks, He has shown us, that one of the things that God brings to us is this truth about these two foundational pillars of the church. The true church must have two foundational pillars among it, and they are the pillars of faith and love. We took this, first of all, from Ephesians 1, 15 and 16, a few weeks ago when we were there, in which Paul says, because of this reason, because I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. And we dug deep into that where Paul says, because of these two things, your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for one another. Because of that, Paul says, I pray for you in this way. We dug down deep in that and we found that the scriptures show us that those are the two non-negotiable, non-debatable, most elementary, they are the beginning and the end. They are all encompassed together of true Christian life, faith and love. There is no life in the church. There is no church without those two things, faith and love. We saw that faith is the necessary starting point because how can you be believers unless you believe? Faith must be present in order for life in Christ to be present because it is By grace you have been saved through faith. And so that is the most elementary thing that must be in a church. It must be faith. And so Paul says, I've heard about your faith. And he also says, I've heard about your love towards one another. And so we said that the scriptures teach us, and we saw more than ample evidence of this from the New Testament, that the scriptures teach us that that is the fundamental way, that is the beginning and the end of how our faith is worked out. James chapter 2 tells us faith that doesn't work out in your life is dead. It's not saving anybody. So your faith must evidence itself in your life. And the central way, the, the first most primary way that it must do that is Love for the brethren. The scriptures affirm that over and over and over. We don't need to go back through that. We've done that several several occasions now. So we've got these two foundational pillars of the church, faith and love. 
Isn't it interesting that God not only gives us examples for those, but he gives us an office for each one. And this is the beauty. This is the perfect symmetrical beauty of God's design for how his church is to be led. There are two foundational pillars, faith and love for one another. And God institutes an office of the church to lead in each one. So just real quickly, faith. It is the role of the elder, the elders of the church. It's their task to be the guardians of doctrine, the guardians of truth. We won't take the time to go through that, but the scriptures show us that abundantly as well. Second Timothy 4, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, here is your job. Preach the word. Preach the word. That's your main job, Timothy. Acts 18, where Paul's meeting with the Ephesian elders, the last time he's going to see them. And he meets with these Ephesian elders and he, sa- and he says to them, two things, two things are going to happen. One, fierce wolves are going to come to the church from without. Remember last Sunday we talked about without and within. They're going to come from without and they're going to bring false teaching. Guard against that. Two, there's going to be those that rise up from inside the church and pervert the teaching. Guard against that. Your role, uh, elders, is to guard the doctrine, to teach the truth. And that is faith. How can we have faith if our doctrine's all messed up? How can you have saving faith if you believe all these wrong things about God? Saving faith must understand God correctly as He's shown Himself to us in His Word. And so there's the office of the elder to lead and to guard in the most primary of all things in the church, and that is faith. Then we have the office of deacon, whose role it is to lead in the second most fundamental aspect of the church, and that's the aspect of loving one another. Let's look to Acts chapter 6 to see this. In Acts chapter 6, we see the seedbed of what will later become the diaconate ministry. We see in Acts chapter 6, the diaconate ministry's beginning. What we see there, these seven men put forth, they will become the roles of deacons later on. But we see the reason that they were brought about, the task that they were given, the whole purpose for all this. And if we just see this clearly, This will eliminate so much confusion in the church about what deacons are to do and what deacons are not to do. Let's take a look at it. Acts chapter 6. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number. So we see here, first of all, we're in Acts chapter 6 and the church is increasing in number. This didn't happen at the beginning. The church didn't begin with deacons. It began with elders. It did not begin with deacons. So we see the primacy of the role of elder. The role of elder takes primacy over the role of deacon. It doesn't mean that elders are are more important people. But it does mean that the role that God has gifted them for and raised them up to do is a more foundational and important role than the role of deacons. Why? For one thing, we see that the church existed without deacons for a while. Never existed without elders. 
Secondly, we see, like, for example, Paul says to Titus, he says to Titus, go through Crete, the island of Crete, all the churches that we started in Crete, go and appoint elders. We're never told to go and appoint deacons. So these churches, these brand new baby churches on the island of Crete, Titus goes around and installs elders. The assumption is at some later point, deacons will be installed as well, but not yet, not needed yet. But then most importantly, I think we see just in the passage itself, the primacy of the role of elder. So there's this disciples were increasing in number. This complaint by the Hellenist arose against the Hebrews. So the Hellenist is another word for Greek. So in Acts chapter two, the church is all Aramaic speaking or Hebrew speaking. By Acts chapter six, there it's bilingual. There are Greek speaking people and there are Hebrew speaking people in the church by this point. They both have a very, very different cultural background. The, if we had more time, we would talk more about this this morning, but the, the, the collision between the Hebrew world and the Greek world. We talk about a collision of cultures today. I don't think anything compares to really the collision of the Hebrew world and the Greek world here in the first century. Because that's literally the collision of East and West and all of the ways that differ between Eastern thinking and Western thinking. All of this really comes to play right here in the book of Acts because this is where East and West come together in the same church. But as they're coming together in Acts chapter 6, we find that there's a problem. And the problem is that among the widows of the church, those who are Greek-speaking widows don't seem to be taken care of as well as the the widows who are Hebrew-speaking widows. The assumption I would make is that that was not intentional. The, The assumption I would make is that was just an oversight that took place in the church, but maybe there were some ill feelings somewhere. We don't know. But assuming... Either the conclusion we come to is that there's just some disadvantaged people in the church that aren't being cared for as well as some other disadvantaged people in the church. And a complaint is given voice to. They have this complaint. And notice the complaint comes to the apostles. So in this context, when we see apostles, think elders. That's the role of the elder. When there's a complaint, it comes to the elder. And so this complaint comes and the complaint is because their widows are being neglected in the daily distribution of food. So they are caring for the widows, the the vulnerable, the disadvantaged. They're caring for them, but they're not doing the best job of it. They're doing it with partiality, whether it's intentional or not intentional. So they say this is a problem. So they the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples, and they said this is not right. What's not right? It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, serve tables, don't think, I used to think waiter, Okay, not, they're not saying we don't want to be waiters. Serve tables is a phrase that just means look to someone's needs, their, their needs of food and clothing and maybe even housing. So they said, here's what's not right. What's not right is for us to neglect our ministry of preaching the word and our ministry, they're going to say later, of prayer. It's not right that we should give that up in order to take care of this. It's not that they don't love the widows. It's not that they're not concerned that there's there's not sufficient care given to the Greek-speaking widows. It's that they say, we say, we see something even more important than this. And that is the preaching of the word, the faith, the guarding of right doctrine, the role of the elder, you see? So the primacy of the role of the elder cannot be infringed upon 
in order to take care of the needs of the vulnerable, of the uh, disadvantaged among God's people. God absolutely wants them taken care of, but he doesn't want the elders to be detracted from there. So the deacon comes along in order to help the elder continue doing what God has called and equipped the elder to do. So the deacon comes along to help. It's not like this system of checks and balances. You know, I've, I've known of churches that thought of elders and deacons like checks and balances, like, like our government has this system of checks and balances. It's not that the deacons check the elders and the elders check the deacons. They're both raised for different roles, for different capacities within the church. They're gifted in different ways. And the deacons are there, if anything, to help the elders to not get distracted from their role of guarding the truth, of guarding doctrine, of preaching and teaching. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute. We'll talk about this in a minute. Full of the spirit and wisdom whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So here we see vulnerable, disadvantaged among God's people. God's people need to love each other. They need someone to lead in loving each other. They need deacons. So you see the beauty of that whole thing? Faith, love for one another. Elder, deacon. Office, office. Isn't that a beautiful thing that God set up? And when you see that this is why God instituted that office, then it becomes quickly apparent how that office has been metamorphosized through the years into something that sometimes it's financial leadership. Many churches will, will take the management of physical facilities and assign that to deacons or I've even been part of a church, more than one church, in which the deacons were seen as the, the supervisors of the pastor. Now, how's that for a flip-flop? Where we just talked about the primacy of the role of the elder, and then oftentimes we see that the deacon, who's not even called or equipped or gifted for that role, is given a role of supervision over... So we see lots of perversions of that. But the thing to see, here's the thing to see. When God established the office, the reason He did it was to give examples and leadership to lead the body into the second most necessary facet of the church, which is to love one another, most especially seen in how the church cares for the vulnerable and disadvantaged, primarily among itself, also in the world, but primarily among itself. That's clear as day from the passage. That's clear as day from the Bible, from the New Testament. That's clear as day that that's why deacons began. Now, that's not to say that if a deacon sweeps the floor of the church every Sunday morning, that that's wrong. It's not even to say that if a church sees it wise that some deacons would take this task or that task, that that's necessarily wrong until that detracts from their point, their purpose, their whole purpose, which is to be the office of leadership, leading the church to love one another specifically by caring in wise ways for the vulnerable and disadvantaged, most especially among themselves. 